My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Today's guest is Jason Liller. After serving in the U.S. Air Force during the first Gulf War, Jason made the fateful decision to visit his local bookstore and ask for a job, beginning a 30-year odyssey of bookselling, publishing, writing, and editing. Recruited by the legendary Charlie Tremendous Jones, Jason spent almost 20 years helping run his publishing company, Executive Books. Today, Jason continues his mission to help people get their ideas into print. He's worked with New York Times bestselling authors like Ken Blanchard, Mark Madison, Bob Berg, and Mark Sanborn and Jim Stovall. He turns first draft manuscripts into fully realized books that have sold hundreds of thousands of copies around the world. One was even adapted into a major, major motion picture. He edits, rewrites, hashes out, pulls apart, and puts back together, turning stream of consciousness spaghetti into literary lasagna, working with everyone from promising first-time writers to well-known New York Times bestselling authors. Jason, welcome. Good afternoon. This is Mark Madison. Welcome to Mark Madison on Books and People. This afternoon, it's an absolute privilege to talk to my good friend, Jason Lyler. Jason, how are you, sir? Great, Mark. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Well, you know, if I was doing any better, I'd be twins, but you know that about me. <laughs> this is true. So I was trying to remember when and how we met, and I was thinking it was 20 years ago. That seems about right. It only seems like eight years, but everything is longer ago now than it seems. That's one of the other symptoms of getting older. Well, uh, the older I get, the better I was. That's correct. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we met uh, when we were working on your first book, Freedom from Fear. Uh, they, uh, you were putting that together, and, uh, and I helped you get that finished up and published. That's, I, if I'm not mistaken, we might have crossed paths before that because we were kind of running in the same circles. But the, to the best of my recollection, and I too am getting older, that was when we met, when we were working on that book. 2000. Wow. So how wow. did you get started in the book business? Well, I had uh, been in the Air Force during the first Gulf War, and I did a horrible job job of preparing myself for civilian life, which means I basically did nothing. Uh, so when I got out of the Air Force, wholly unprepared, uh, I was trying to figure out what to do. And the local bookstore outside of Philadelphia uh, looked appealing to me. I always wanted to work in a bookstore, so I put in an application. They were not looking for help, but they hired me anyway. And I came in and helped them out. After a year, I had my own store. After two years, I had the top store in the company. It was a big superstore like a Barnes & Noble with the record room back when they had records. Well, the records are back now, aren't they? And they they are, yeah. Yeah, they are. And a cafe. So I was running all that. And that took me out to Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, which is near Harrisburg. That's where, weirdly enough, that's where their number one store was. And uh, a gentleman named Charlie Jones, larger than life, came in and asked me to come and work for him. He had a company called Life Management Services, which primarily supported his speaking business. He was a legendary public speaker and also supported his, the books that he wrote and published. Like most speakers, he had most successful speakers. He had several books that he had authored and published to help support his speaking business. And then he also sold books from other publishers on a business to business basis. Now, right. 
he had a publishing arm there called Executive Books, which created books uh, by authors who worked with Charlie Jones. And I don't want to say that the publishing arm was dormant, but it was close to it. And he wanted me to take that and try to revive it and turn it into something that was much more vital to the business, you know, make it much more a bigger part of the business that he was running. And I expressed to him in the most emphatic terms that book selling and book publishing are not the same thing. Uh, this didn't seem to concern him in the least. <laughs> so, he, he, so he made me an offer that was just too good to refuse. So I came to work for him and I said, okay, what do I do? He said, whatever you think you need to do is what you're going to do. Uh, and there was nobody running the publishing business. It was just haywire. It was like spaghetti. So I went and pulled all of that together and uh, we did create something that was much bigger than it had been. And uh, you know, I was very proud of the work that I did there. Uh, but, you know, from there, I worked with him for quite a while. He passed away. Uh, and then I went out on my own. And now I'm freelancer, editor, author, consultant, ghostwriter, basically anything having to do with books. I'm the guy. So that's a that's a bigger answer than you asked for. <laughs> but that's, no, that's, that's how I got here. It's perfect. And, you know, for those that don't know who Charlie Tremendous Jones was, he's hard to describe it's like lightning in a bottle. I've never seen any, and I've heard, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of speakers, but I've never met anybody quite like Charlie Jones. He left, he leaves an impression. He left an impression on people that they didn't soon forget. And he would literally, he'd say, you know what I like about you? Everything. And then he'd, <laughs> he'd go off on these like, like mini keynotes, you know, and he'd be standing there just in awe. Like how does somebody have this much energy and enthusiasm? And he did and said things that no one else could say or do and get away with. Exactly. Uh, I, I just, I, I've, I never met anybody who didn't meet Charlie and just say that guy was something else. And he was a huge part of my development in terms of the kind of speaker I wanted to become. And of course, you know, he published my first book and then the rest is history. But, you know, oddly enough, I met him because I just called him up one day. I was listening to one of his audio programs it was on cassette and I think it was just called life is tremendous. And it was six audio tapes. And I laughed so hard, Jason, I literally pulled off the road and called the number on a Thursday night at six 30 in rush hour traffic in Seattle, not knowing that seven one seven was in Mechanicsburg PA. And I didn't know if anybody would answer. I figured I'd just get voicemail. And he says, uh, executive books. I said, I'm looking for a guy named Charlie Jones. And I don't even know if he's alive anymore. And Charlie goes, no, he's still around. And I was really, how do I get a hold of him? He goes, well, you're talking to him. And, <laughs> and that was it. That was the beginning of the relationship. And then he came to Seattle and I, I picked him up at his hotel and drove him to his speaking engagement and we became friends. So we, we both, I guess, owe our start to that guy in a very real sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. I know I do as far as publishing is concerned. If, I, if he had not wandered into my office that day, my life today would be unrecognizable. You know, the, the bookstore business crashed for several years. Who knows what I'd be doing? I might be working in a bank. Uh, so right. I owe a great deal to him. And, uh, and just like you, he really was a mentor to me. You know, in terms of writing and editing, it's, there's a lot of uh, people who've, who helped me and had an influence on me, too many to mention. But in terms of life and business, it's really all Charlie Jones. Uh, right. The fact that he would take somebody like me, that he could see in me, that I had the talent and the ability to do something that I really was wholly unfamiliar with and make it successful, that's, that speaks a great deal. Um, well, that was his gift, though, wasn't it? To, to find it really diamonds was. in the rough. Yeah. Yes, yes, he was good at that. 
and to find authors too. I've worked with a number of authors who worked with him and uh, they say, you know, he, he would look at a book they wrote and say, well, there's great stuff in here, but you got to cut basically 90% of it out. Right. <laughs> you got to, you got to get to the good part in the middle. So that's, you know, that's something else I learned from him. But, and also, like you said, he, when you called, he answered the phone. He didn't have gatekeepers. Right. He was very real. He, he did not coddle you. He would never, he did not flatter you. Uh, if he thought you had an issue, he was upfront about it. And I think there's a lot to learn there. Uh, people know when you are not genuine. He yeah. was he was genuine. He was right down there on the ground. So. And, and, and yet he would turn right around and say things like, I never trusted anybody without a 46-inch waist. <laughs> you know, he said, I got six kids and I have more kids, but my wife hates kids. Yep, and, you know, yep. you just go, the, the Gloria is like the sweetest woman in the world. Nobody would ever say anything. It's like, yeah, he was, he was, they broke the mold, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, nobody, nobody else could get away with some of the things he did, but I want to make it clear because most of the, your listeners have not met him. Right. That he came across as the sweetest, most likable guy. He was everybody's grandfather. Uh, yes. And so I, you know, if we say he did things other people couldn't get away with, I don't want you to think we're saying he was being nasty or it was no, or like yeah, at all. No, not at all. Like that at all. But, but you know, here's another example. He used to go and when he was speaking, he would pick somebody in the front row of the audience and, and basically beat them up physically. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he I grabbed that, their arm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd get thrown in jail for doing that. Not him. They loved it. They ate it I up. know. I know. <laughs> and when he'd hug you, he'd go, this will ruin every hug you've ever had for the rest of your life. You ready? <laughs> when you hug somebody who lets go first. <laughs> that was and, the test, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, something I still say that I borrowed from him. Somebody, he would say, how long have you been married? And they'd say, oh, 25 years, Charlie. He goes, oh, the 26 years, the worst. Yeah, that's the worst year. <laughs> yeah, if you get past that, it's all downhill. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I'm looking at a picture of him right now with his eye patch. And, yeah, he was one of those guys that changed my life. So that's a nice segue into the next question. Who are some other mentors? I mean, you've had the privilege of working with some best-selling authors from all over the world. Who are guys that really, really impacted you? Uh, some, you know, Ken Blanchard really did. Of course, he was the co-author of The One Minute Manager. He's very well known. Um, right. Again, I really appreciated him for his genuineness, for his, uh, the way that he, everything he said was really from the heart. Uh, you know, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but a lot of people, they're not so genuine. And the, the books they write don't really reflect their belief or their personality. They're writing things that they think people will buy. Uh, I would know, characterize Ken as a sweet guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't, you know, I don't reserve that word for too many people, but no, <laughs> I got to spend two days with him because of Charlie. And it's like, this guy is like your favorite uncle. Yes, that's exactly what he's like. And he's the sort of person upon whom you want to model your own behavior. Yes. That's the, he is the kind of person you want to be. Now, in, the term, in terms of somebody like Charlie Jones, it's almost unachievable. I, right. can't, I can't be like him. He's, he's one of a kind. Ken Blanchard, though? Yes, I could, you know, I feel like I could be like Ken Blanchard. He's approachable. He's, his, what he does is achievable. And mostly it is about really truly being who you are in your heart and being a very giving person and a person who's interested in helping other people and making other people better and making them as good as they can be, uh, which is really something that I've tried to take into the heart of my business today with what I do. So, yeah, you know, I, th I think that uh, Ken Blanchard had a great deal to do with, uh, with, where I am now, uh, like I said before, in terms of, of writing and editing, it's a lot of people, a lot of little things. 
but certainly Charlie Jones and Ken Blanchard loom very large. Interesting. Uh, you work with Mark Sanborn too, and he's done pretty well selling books. I did, yes, yes. And he's an interesting case too. And I know that this is I'm not trying to hijack the story, but he's, uh, you know, he's a, uh, I hope I'm not giving away anything here that he doesn't want people to know, but he's kind of an introvert. He says so, but he's right. one of the most successful public speakers because he understands how to do it, even though it sort of runs contrary to his, uh, his personality. You don't think of an introvert as going up on the platform and speaking. He does it. He does it very successfully. So it just shows that, you know, pe people of any type of personality can really make that work for them. Well, he has a subtle and wry sense of humor. When I met him for the first time, I talked to him on the phone a few times, but I met him at Charlie's Memorial. And, he, you know, he's 5'9", and I'm 6'7", and he goes, wow, you're a lot shorter on the phone. <laughs> Listen, and, I, and again, I know most of your listeners, Mark, don't get to meet you in person. You're, you know, they're just, they see you on the internet, they listen to you. I just want you all out there to know that Mark, 6'7", is, is, that's, I don't believe that. Mark's like eight feet tall. And when yeah. I, every time I, every time I see Mark, it's just, I just have to stop and it, it, it takes my breath away. Like it hurts my neck to look up at him. He's, he's just a gigantic, gigantic tall guy. So, so anyway, uh, that's, that's why I sit down a lot. I, I <laughs> that's right. Out. It's a lot less intimidating. <laughs> so where do, you have a passion for books like I do, Jason, we have a, we have a common bond. I think that's why we remain friends all these years. I mean, we've done five books together. But where does your passion for books come from? It really comes from, well, first of all, just a bedrock love of books. I mean, I got, I sought a job at a bookstore. That's not a place where you get wit, right? right. But, uh, but I love that. So what I love and what I have sort of grown into today is helping people transform their knowledge, their expertise, their passion into books, putting things down in writing, recording it, putting it in a format to where they can share what they know with other people. Uh, you know, if you think about it, how many times does somebody say you should write a book? How many times do people come to you for advice on something or, or to, to, to probe your thoughts about an issue? These are all signs that you have a book within you. Most of us are better experts in something than we give ourselves credit for. Right. And, you know, here's, here's the thing. Let's, let's get really real for a minute. Nobody's living forever. When you put your words down on paper and you publish that book, you're putting something that will exist for all eternity. A hundred years from now, Mark, somebody is going to pick freedom from fear off of a bookshelf and they're going to read your words and it will change their lives. That's powerful. There's, there's very few things that will extend you like that. It's, it's really a form of immortality and it's within it, it really the reach is. of virtually everyone. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, and I like to help people because uh, most people want to write a book. They've got an idea in their head. They want to do it. They think about it. But what do they do? They spend 10 or 20 years thinking about it. They don't spend any time doing it. Right. So one thing that I like to do is try to motivate people to actually get this work done, to get these words on paper, to get that book out there. Because if you're willing to put in the time and the work, it's something that virtually anyone can do. You might need help. You might need help, for, you know, even composing your thoughts, getting them organized, but it is entirely doable. It's not like uh, building an airplane. You don't need that level of specialized knowledge. You just need to live life and you need to be willing to sit down and do some work. So these, that's what I really like to do, help people get their, their knowledge, expertise, and passion onto paper and get it in a format where they can share it with people. 
And you do it in an uncommon way. You're, you know, you're a joy to work with. As I've said, we've done five books together. But, you know, I forget sometimes. I'm really glad you reminded me. Uh, a form of immortality because books are forever. And, right. you know, long after I'm gone, my granddaughter or great-granddaughter will be talking to a friend and her friend will say, what's that? Oh, my grandfather wrote that. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, can I borrow that? And then she'll read it and I'm food for worms, but here's this little girl reading my book going, oh, and what a legacy, what a, what a great thing, you know, to, uh, to be, to, to be immortal, you know, in, in a kind of egotistic way to say that out loud. So uh, let me ask you this, having worked with hundreds of authors and, and uh, what advice would you offer somebody who says, I want to write a book? I think I, I have would- a book in me. How do I start? Well, you've actually taken the most important step right there by taking action. Uh, again, that's, that's where most aspiring authors fall down is, is they don't take action on it. They just think about it. Uh, so once you've made that decision, once it's clicked in your head, I'm gonna, I want to write a book and I'm going to write a book, you need to sit down and start winnowing down your ideas. Uh, if you've got more than one idea, many people do, you need to, to try to figure out which one or two of those is one that number one, you can actually write a whole book about. And number two, one that you are passionate enough about to spend some quality time with, because it it does take time, it takes work, and there are gonna be times when you are sick of this book and you're not finished writing it yet. So you need to make sure that you have the passion to carry you through that. Uh, And don't be afraid to ask for help. This this is where I come in and, and, uh, you know, I see, to nowadays, it's so easy to publish a book, to self-publish a book through Amazon or some other service like that. And that's great. It makes it, it, it democratizes everything. Everything is within the reach of the masses. But what's also happened is we're swimming in a sea of mediocrity. Most of these books going out there, they're not that good. They're, they're not proofread. They're not edited. They're not properly formatted. Uh, the covers look like they were designed by your fifth, your five, um, your fifth grade cousin. In some cases, they probably were. Uh, but you want to, if you're going to produce a book, if you're going to put the work into it, if you're going to spend all of the time and effort to create it, you want it to be as good as you can get it. It has to be something that looks as good as something that you would pick up off of the shelf at Barnes and Noble. And that can be done and it can be done without breaking the bank. And that's important because some people, some companies will really charge you an arm and a leg to do these things. I know a person who literally lost his house trying to publish a book because he was just paying through the nose, paying way too much for everything. It's very important to me as someone who does this kind of work that I help people create the best book they can create top notch professional level from top to bottom in terms of content design and physical object without breaking the bank, keeping it affordable, making it someone that is within the reach of virtually everyone with a job. And everything you said is absolutely true. And I agree with that hundred percent. I had a meeting years ago with a company. Well, I won't name the company, but they're local. They're in Enumclaw, Washington, which is a couple hours away. And I, this woman had been, uh, you know, calling me for a while. And so I finally met with her and essentially it's what's called vanity publishing, as you well know. Right. And for only $30,000, she would print, you know, a couple thousand copies of my book. And at that point I'd already written three books and I, I just, <laughs> I, I was, I was nonplussed. I, you know, I, I literally didn't know. And finally I just said, well, who just give me the name and number of your two top authors. How many copies have they sold? Mm. And she, she danced around the garden and she wouldn't give me an answer. And I finally said, look, it's a simple question. Just give me a couple of names and a couple of numbers. And so she said, you know, Frank and Susan and 2,500. 
2,500 copies uh, yeah. for only $30,000. And I, I, I said, you know, I really appreciate your time. And, you know, I, I, I bowed out and left as, uh, as quickly as I could. And that's really sad. If somebody says to you, we want a chapter for a book or we want to, to print your book, and they come after you and they tell you that it's only $30,000 run the other way because they're vanity publishers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, and you can publish your book, do a better job than they do and not be tied to them. You be, you're your own publisher. And that's, you know, I, I guide people through that process so that they don't find themselves in that kind of a trap because oftentimes too, then at the end of the day, they don't really even own their work. The, the vanity press does. Right. Well, you, uh, you have a, you, that, that first movie with Liam Neeson, Taken, where he says, I have a particular set of skills that I've developed <laughs> over a long period of time. Skills, which are bad. <laughs> and he goes, he basically tells the guy he's going to bite him and kill him. Right? Yep. Well, that, that's you. You have a very particular set of skills. Right? I do. I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> that few people know or understand and you demystify the process. But at the same time, you're very much a Dutch uncle in, in that, you know, look, it's too long. You need to cut like 20% out. I remember having a conversation with you and Charlie about my third book, A Simple Choice, and you guys said it's too long. It needs to be, you know, 120, 130 pages. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's important. And that's, that's one of the most important things that people pay me to do is to be honest with them. And, and that's something that a vanity press will never tell you because the vanity press doesn't care. Right. And all, they, all they're doing, is, it's literally what it is. It's for people who really just want to have a book in their hand with their name on it. If that's all that matters to you, if that's what floats your boat, that's great. But set your sights a little higher. Create something that's, that's for the public at large. Create something that's going to do some good for some other people. Uh, that's, that's really what you ought to, to aspire to. So... But yes, I, um, I agree. That's, uh, Mark, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's okay. Another train's coming by here in a little while. So no worries. Well, for me, when I talk to authors, I just say, and I, and I had this conversation today with, uh, with a woman who was wildly successful in business and has an uncommon story. And I just told her, and I, I sent her to you. But, but I told her, I said, you have a story that needs to be heard. And if you don't have, if you haven't, I think it was Ben Franklin that said, either live a life, life that someone wants to write about, right? Someone else to tell their story or tell a story worth reading, right? Yes. And, and I think that unless you're writing about something that you're absolutely passionate about, and for me, it was personal development. You know, I started on that journey at a really young age and that personal development quest uh, manifests itself into freedom from fear. And so what, what do you love? What do you have a passion for? So in that vein, we were, we were talking here, gosh, about two months ago. I think I just called you and I just said, Hey, I got this idea and I ran it by you. And you said, that's fantastic. And then I said, well, maybe I'm just being, you know, Pollyanna, maybe just the optimist in me. So I ran it by four or five other business people that I respect. And they all said, that's a fantastic idea. And the fifth guy I talked to said, you need an investor. 
Right. And that's when I knew it was a really good idea. That's a good sign. Yes. <laughs> would, would you explain what Stone Soup Group is? I would love to explain what Stone Soup Group is. Stone Soup Group is going to be a community, largely an online community, uh, geared toward writers and speakers, creative people who are primarily authors and public speakers to help them develop their careers, their skills, to help them help each other become better at what they do. And one of the things that we really want to emphasize here, because there's no shortage of online communities of writers or speakers, is that writing and speaking are complementary skills. And this is something that I don't think a lot of people understand unless they're already up there doing it. And maybe they want to keep that a secret. Well, the secret's out, right? So right. If, if you are a writer, if you're publishing books, you need to be a speaker. If you're a speaker, you need to be writing and publishing books. And especially for speakers, if you're a public speaker, there is a hard ceiling above you that you will not cross. You will not get above it if you don't have published books. And you know that. There, any, all of the big speakers have published books. There's, there's no exceptions to that. There's no getting around it. Right. You have to do it if you want. If you want to be up there with the big guys, you got to publish books. When you write a book, your book sells your speaking business. When you are a speaker, your speaking sells your books. They feed off of each other. So that's what we're trying to do, is to develop writers into speakers, speakers into writers, bring them together, uh, show them how these things interact, show them how they can be more successful at what they do by expanding their skill sets. If you really just wanna be a writer or you just wanna be a speaker, that's fine too. There's gonna be plenty there for you. But we encourage you to branch out, to get out of your comfort zone. Speaking's hard. People don't like it. But it is the gateway to so many great things for your life and for other people. Uh, it, it's worth every ounce of anxiety. And uh, let me tell you something else. As someone who's done some speaking, the anxiety is, quite frankly, the concept of it is overblown. Once you get out there and start talking, it melts away. And it is the most fun you will ever have in your life. So I encourage everyone to try it. And if and, they don't, if they don't have the experience, you can join Toastmasters or right. you know, Carnegie. There's any number of there's, uh, but the bottom line is, and again, I had a conversation with a woman today and she said, I gave my first talk and I got a standing ovation the first time out. And it's because she has such an extraordinary story. Right. But, but here's the hook joining stone soup group. You'll never have to walk alone again. That's right. And it's going to be a community, a, a mastermind group, if you will, an exchange, a collective of writers and speakers who want to unleash positive change in the world through their writing and their speaking. An online forum, podcasts, Zoom summits, articles, special reports, ebooks, templates, uh, member-generated content, Q&A, the list goes on and on. Very so well put. When is this going to launch? Well, we are aiming for an October launch, which is next month. So that's, uh, it's going to be up and going here soon. Well, I'm excited. So who are these two guys that are, are doing this thing? Well, these two guys are Mark Madison and Jason Liller, who are I knew it. to you this evening. I know. It's like, I, I, I just, I'm drawing a blank. Who are they? I, just, I, I know I've heard of these people before. Oh, Yes, that's it. See, we're getting older and we're forgetting those things. But yes, it is Mark Madison and I, Jason Miller, 
And this is one of the most important things, and we haven't mentioned this yet, but this is vital. This is really what it all boils down to is that Mark and I have extraordinarily broad and deep experience in the worlds of speaking and writing and publishing, and we are at your disposal in Stone Soup Group. So when you join that, you have access to us. You can speak to us directly. We can guide you through things. We can shepherd you. We can mentor you. That's what we're going to be here to do. And that's something that, uh, you know, I think very few people with our experience are willing to put themselves out there like that. But here we are. We're doing it. Well, it, you know, all I can think of when, when we started kind of forming the, the structure of this thing is I wished I would have had, when I first started as a speaker, I wished I'd have had access to this kind of information. It would have saved me thousands of hours of trial and error. It would have saved me having to read hundreds of books that, you know, I, I poured through for every one book I recommend to somebody, there's five that you don't need to read. Yeah. Right. And, and just there's a, there's a two page document that just lists the books you need to read. If you're, if you want to become a speaker and let me tell you something, the 20 books listed there, there's, there's a hundred that aren't on the list. It's that kind of, you know, rich content, that kind of information. That's right. And Mark, I'm sure when you started, you felt, you felt pretty alone part some of the time because let's face it, it's not, the world isn't crawling with public speakers. They're not, they're not living down the block from you. So this is a way to get all of these people into your community as if they were right there ready at your beck and call to help you out, to, to let you know that everything was going to be okay and that, you know, they did it, you can do it too. And here's how you can do it this, because this is how we did it. Books and people, people and books. I mean, we, Charlie Jones said that, uh, oh gosh, the first, I think the first, very first time I talked to him, he said, you'd be the same person in five years, except for two things, the, the people you associate with and the books that you read. And at the heart of this stone soup group is the simple fact that there are people who have done what you want to do and been where you want to go. that will be a part of this thing. But at the same time, there's book suggestions. Uh, I got two, I got two book suggestions today from, from the, this woman that I was talking to. And I keep saying this woman only because I, I don't want to announce her name until, you know, <laughs> after she's launched her speaking career, because she's going to be a rock star. I told her, I said, your future's so bright. It burns my eyes. You have your story is a Hollywood story. Like Kelly Scholl's story is a Hollywood story. Yeah. It's, it's not every day you run into somebody who uh, started with absolutely nothing with all the odds against them to build an extraordinary company. And then, then who's willing to, to say, okay, I want to share this with the world. And I think for those who, who would consider joining this group that include presidents and CEOs, men and women who have just sold their company, but they have a story to tell either in book form or uh, on a platform somewhere. So what else do we need to know about Stone Soup Group? Well, I think that, uh, you know, it's something that is going to, the, the skills that we're going to teach in Stone Soup Group and the things that we're going to share are things that can enhance any career. They can, they can help elevate any life. Uh, if you want to take your, if your business, your career, your personal brand to the next level, this is the way to do it. These are the things that set you apart. Uh, and they're just the things that are going to make you a, a overall a better communicator and a, and a better person, I think. So how do they get a hold of us to consider joining? And how much is this going to cost anyway? Is this going to be like $30,000? What's it going to be? No, it's not going to be $30,000. It's going to be something perfectly reasonable. Uh, it's something that's going to be within the realm of anyone, I think, who has any interest in doing something like this, which it's, it's something that almost anyone's going to be able to afford. Uh, what, what 
what does the uh, last price that we were talking about, was it $49 a month? That's absurd. Why would you offer so much value for so little money? Because we are great people and we want to share. <laughs> we want to put a dent in the universe. That's exactly right. I want to make it easy. We want to make it easy for somebody to say yes and get started down this path, this mysterious path of becoming an author or becoming a speaker or both. And I think that's the distinction, Jason. You mentioned it earlier. There are people who will help you get a book done. That's fine. There are people who may help you get a speaking career started, but they're, they're not offering both of those things at this kind of price. Right. And they don't have the type of experience that we have, proven experience, track record exactly. that we have to help people out. Uh, we know what we're doing, to put it flatly, and we're going to help get you to that place as well. It's hard to be humble when you're this good, isn't it? I mean, That's exactly on. right. It's hard to be humble, but we achieve it, don't we? <laughs> hey, I, I, don't, I, don't, I hesitate to say this, but uh, years ago, gosh, back in 2003, I did a speaking engagement, and it was one that Charlie had, uh, had set up and introduced me to, and I sold $20,000 worth of books in the back of the room that afternoon. And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I literally, I was, I was just blown away. And my wife was with me. It was in, it was in Las Vegas. And afterwards, I went back to the hotel, and, and I got a standing ovation for like two minutes. And my wife said, "How'd the talk go?" I said, "Oh, not like I expected." She goes, "Really? Uh, they didn't like it?" I said, "No, I got a standing ovation for two minutes." She goes, "Oh, well, how did the book sales go?" I said, "Oh, not like I expected." She goes, "They didn't buy?" <laughs> I said, "No, I sold twenty thousand dollars worth of books." And, you know, I'd been married a long time up to that point, and you thought, you would think she would say, oh, honey, I'm so proud of you, or way to go. That's not what she said. She goes, we're going out tonight. <laughs> and we did. We saw Penn and Teller, and it was awesome. Awesome. Wow. Wow. And, and don't you feel good that you had $20,000 worth of books there to sell? <laughs> well, actually, I didn't. I brought, I, brought like, <laughs> I brought like 200 copies. And after that, people just filled out forms and I fulfilled books for three days. But, <laughs> there you, go. you know, that can happen. Yep. Well, Jason, uh, maybe the next best step is to, to answer the question, you know, how does somebody get a hold of us? How, how do they join this extraordinary new group, this new community? Well, they can get in touch with us uh, via email. Right now, you can contact us at jason at stonesoupgroup.net or mark at stonesoupgroup.net, which coincidentally goes to me, Jason Lillard, and you, Mark Madison. So once again, just like Charlie Jones answering the telephone, we are going to talk to you directly. There's no gatekeeper. And what about phone numbers? I can be reached at 717 802-0581. That's 717-802-0581. I can also be texted there. This is a cell phone. And uh, Mark, I, I hate to disappoint you, but I've not committed your phone number to memory. And why? Because when you pull it up, it just says Mark and you push the button. That's exactly right. <laughs> I don't have my kids' numbers, phone numbers memorized for that same reason. Mine is 206-697-0454. That's 206 six nine seven oh four five four and yes i answer my own phone just like charlie well jason thank you so much for carving out the time i know you're a busy guy uh closing thoughts parting thoughts what, what's one last thing you would hope every aspiring author and speaker needs to know get out there and do the work don't sit on it don't spend too long mulling it over don't waste 20 years get the work done and then you can start to 
to build a body of work of, of multiple books, just like Mark has five books. He has many more eBooks. Uh, you know, if he had waited, he might not have any, he didn't wait. He got on top of it. He did the work. You can do it too. Yeah. You want to live forever? Give us a call. There you go. <laughs> Thanks buddy. Always a pleasure talking to you, man. And as, My Charlie, pleasure. and as Charlie Jones used to say, you know what I like about you? Everything. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Take care, buddy. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans. <laughs> <laughs>